0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today.
1: Warning, Binge Mode features adult content.
0: Much like the show Game of Thrones, about which we are talking. If you watch Game of Thrones and you're fine with it, you'll probably be fine with this podcast. If not, the Ringer NBA show is very good.
1: And now, Binge Mode.
2: We haven't had a real fight in nine years. Backstabbing doesn't prepare you for a fight, and that's all the realm is now. Backstabbing and scheming and arse-licking and money-grubbing. Sometimes I don't know what holds it together. Our marriage. (laughs)
1: And welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished searching for the breastplate stretcher, oh. it's Ringer staff writer and internet's arch Jason Concepcion. Jason, welcome. Hello. Hey, buddy. Jason, like so many characters on Game of Thrones, we're, uh, we're looking to latch onto the teat of content. No. <laughs> Rewatching all 60 episodes of Woof. Game of Thrones, deep diving, one episode at a time. Requisite spoiler warning for all of you, we will be going deep on details from the deep. show and the books alike for this season and beyond, but breastfeeding lads and knights of the Vale alike are welcome here as we strap on our armor and discuss season one, episode five, The Wolf and the Lion. Ooh. Jason. Yeah. Before we chase the cats down into the dungeon, let's take a quick trip down our very own King's Road by offering a brief refresher on what actually happened in this fifth installment. Take it away.
0: But in the north, Theon Greyjoy displays some early signs of being the piece of trash that he truly is, (laughs) bullying the brothel worker Roz. Uh, Such a serious boy and uh, showing a severe preoccupation with his family's standing. Uh, he also shows his uh, some full frontal uh, Greyjoy right there. The, yeah, uh, he does. The Kraken is released. <laughs> uh, and Meister Lewin and Bran discuss Westeros' housewords and the whereabouts of Kat. Do you know where she is? Now. Today.
1: On the road to the Vale, meanwhile, Kat and her party are taking Tyrion, her new captive, to the or Cat's sister, The uh, deeply deranged Lysa Arryn reigns. Bron and Tyrion are part of this traveling party and uh, they're they're beginning to form a bit of a bromance. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. Uh, Once we get to the Eerie, the breastfeeding Lysa (laughs) just shocks, shocks her sister and Tyrion and everyone. And then Lysa throws Tyrion into a sky cell, which is a tough break. Doesn't seem very comfortable in there
0: down in King's Landing as the tourney continues. Uh, So does Ned's investigation into the death of John Aaron. Varys tells Ned that uh, Aaron was likely poisoned with tears of lease for asking questions about King Robert's bastards. Why would someone want to kill someone for that? It's a busy episode for Varys who also uh, has a great Great, great scene with Littlefinger, and has a very, very interesting meeting with Ilrio down underneath the Red Keep. Danny and Viserys' advisor, you remember from uh, Episode One. Arya overhears the meeting in the dungeons and tries to warn Ned, and as usual, he does not listen. Varys via Jorah uh, shares the news of Danny's pregnancy with the Small Council, and then tries to talk Robert out of having her assassinated. And when he fails to do so, he resigns his Hand of the King on principle. Robert has a full-on meltdown. Sir Loras, who survived an earlier showdown with the Mountain at the Tourney, uh, shaves his boyfriend, Renly Baratheon, in a very (laughs) loving manner, while trying to convince him that he'd make a better king than his brothers. And it must be said that I think he was um, quite effective at, convincing him. The news that Cat has seized Tyrion uh, reaches the capital. Jamie Lannister uh, accosts Ned outside of Littlefinger's brothel, killing several of Ned's men and spearing or causing to have Ned speared through the leg.
1: Not great. Hate when that happens. Uh, all that talk of kings and great houses and spear thrusts gets yeah. us right to this episode's big idea. Let's Cut to the core of it, stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode Ah. is the question of what makes a good ruler. Is it strength? Mm. Is it virtue? Is it money? Is it proximity to other powerful people who possess some or all of those things? The bulk of this episode centers on exploring the legitimacy of the rulers who are currently in power, and the aspirants who seek to rise,
0: King Robert is uh his ruling style is essentially kind of like set it and forget it <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, this is a guy who if I guess if you were choosing a ruler for the realm is not is not in the top tier of people that you would pick he's a he's a fabled warrior, was a great warrior, God I mm. was so strong, God. God. Those were his glory days, and that's why um, people follow him. You get a glimpse of it in the great conversation he has with Cersei when he's talking about the Dothraki and, and what would happen mm-hmm. if they crossed the sea. We'd, you know? We wouldn't meet them in the field. Only a fool would do that.
2: Let's say Viserys Targaryen lands with 40,000 Dothraki screamers at his back. We hole up in our castles. Wise move. Only a fool would meet the Dothraki in an open field. They leave us in our castles. They go from town to town looting and burning, killing every man who can't hide behind a stone wall, stealing all our crops and livestock, enslaving all our women and children. How long do the people of the Seven Kingdoms stand behind their absentee king? When did the people decide that Viserys Targaryen is the rightful monarch after all?
0: Gives you a glimpse into why people would have followed Robert, and he's really a guy who peace um, was the worst thing that could have happened to him. And uh, Ned even says this to Baristan in that little conversation they have at the tournament. If the king got what he wanted all the time, we'd still be fighting rebellion. The, you know, the king was a warrior, and and um, and he's gone to sloth in mm-hmm. this kind of peacetime.
1: One of the things I love about all of the Robert centric parts of this episode is the idea that even a fabled warrior yeah. like Robert. S- and, and even a fabled warrior like Robert who had friends, powerful friends, like yeah. he already was aligned with, with Ned and the Starks, who's obviously aligned with John Arryn. That's pretty good already, but what does he say to Ned? They're talking about Lancel, they're talking yeah. about Cersei, and he says, I have John Arryn to thank for her. Cersei right. Lannister will make a good match, he told me. You'll need her father on your side. Like, what is ever actually enough right. to feel comfortable in a seat of power? Yeah. The answer, unfortunately, for most of these people is it's not enough until you align with someone who ultimately probably is going to take you down, which is kind of a tough place to be, kind of a tough place to be. And how does that manifest in the present day? Well, everything you're saying is true about Robert's strength as a warrior and a soldier, but right now he's – clueless right like just the it's it's sort of supposed to be like a joke this idea that he wants to participate in the tourney but it's actually really telling because it's sad it's It's extremely sad and he's so out of touch with reality and the fact that he doesn't recognize that his subjects would let him win shows you basically how detached he is from how regular people live and behave and what they think is expected of them. He calls them cowards. Right. Anybody who's in that situation probably thinks, I'm literally doing what I have to do not only to advance, but to stay alive. Yes. What an idiot. What a buffoon. He is also shown to be sort of like tenuously placed in in his position as king. Extreme.
0: Uh, yeah. Like it's very... He's, he's extremely... Uh, vulnerable.
1: Yes, and we see it in so many he different ways. He senses it. I, th- I mean, that's why he
0: drinks and whores so much, because he's not in control of any of this stuff.
1: And it's why he freaks out when yeah. Ned challenges him, because Ned is the one person he thinks he can count on. But we right. see it, there's a, there's a lot of Ned stuff to break down. We see it actually out on the tourney field in kind of a public setting, which is like, you know, you expect to get this like rich, meaty stuff to to, to dissect in the small council chamber and private rooms, but out there in the joust, yeah. when the Mountain and Loris have their little their little situation. And then the <laughs> hound gets involved. Yeah. And when Robert says, D- give me a little Robert voice. Stop uh-huh. this madness. Stop this madness in the name of your king. I would listen to you. I would listen to you
0: if you <laughs> the, said that. But who doesn't? The interesting thing about that, too, that scene is, he lets
1: them go for a while. He he's does. so he's so the taken in lost.
0: by the violence. He's like, oh man, you know, like before he catches himself and yeah. realizes, I can't let this happen.
1: So the hound immediately listens, yeah. right? Immediately swoops down to his knee. The mountain does not. And this is notable because, again, this is out there for everyone to see. Robert's grasp is pretty loose. The mountain is publicly disobeying him. People would have talked about this. Yeah, he's Tywin's creature. And there's a difference between people knowing that the mountain is Tywin's creature and knowing that the that extends to the point where he's willing to disobey the king. And then, of course, speaking of Tywin, (laughs) when Cersei and Robert meet later in Robert's chambers. And we should just say, we both think that this scene between Cersei and Robert, which is a show creation, not in the books, is absolutely beautiful. it
0: goes so many places and it gives you everything about these characters.
1: Everything. It's it's rich, a rich character study for both of them. It's yeah. emotional and kind of moving. It's also yeah. very funny. And one of the the good little quips at the beginning is when Cersei and Robert meet and he says to her, it's a neat little trick you do. You move your lips yeah. and your father's voice comes out. Tywin, the show is already establishing, even though we haven't actually met Tywin yet, that he's really ruling. Yeah. He's more in power than Robert is. And it's, again, what it's about this idea. What, is, what does it mean to be the king, right? right. And Robert himself... He's questioning that. He's not necessarily one we'd say is like super in touch with his emotions outside of the Liana stuff, right. which is actually quite lovely. But he does say to Cersei during that exchange, our purpose died with the Mad King. Now we've got as many armies as there are men with gold in their purse. Because to him, power is war. Right. And ruling is fighting. Yeah. That is all he knows and all he understands. Right. And that's not really good enough. No,
0: it's not. It's not, that's not ruling.
1: Right. You know, not at all. I mean,
0: the the best thing that could have happened to Robert was Greyjoy's rebellion popping off in the immediate aftermath of his own rebellion. Right. Because that gave him something to do. Uh, He's, you know, he's he's not an administrative guy. And you kind of see it when Renly tells Varys and Littlefinger, oh, uh, Robert's coming to the small council meeting. And it's like, shock. Shock.
1: What? Well, and that's one of the fascinating things is that he's not even attempting to obscure his reality to any of his closest advisors. Like Varys, when Varys goes to Ned, he says, you're the hands King and the King is a fool. (laughs) Your friend, I know, but a fool and doomed unless you save him. That is really a tough progress report from the people (laughs) viewing him every day. And, It's, we also, that that exchange leads to the great line later on between Varys and Illyrio. This is no longer a game for two players. It never was. And Robert is no, he's basically not a nimble enough ruler right now to be in a game that's essentially anything but single combat, right? Because again, that's all he understands. Like the way he thinks about ruling, we really see this come to the fore when he's talking about wanting to take out Danny. He finds out she's pregnant and what does he have to do? violence. Right. That's the solution. Immediately. Mother and child both. <laughs> and, but what's so amazing about that is that his advisors either because they can they 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 actually think he's right, right. or they basically don't see the point in attempting to counsel him anymore. Yeah. They're just all sort of rolling over, except yeah. for Ned, right. who challenges him. And it leads to the falling out where Robert says to Ned, do you think honor is keeping the peace? This is an it's interesting fear,
0: fear and blood. This is an interesting interesting debate because Robert is kind of right. right in this instance. Ned's way is this Kind of utopian, idealistic way where everyone is an honorable actor, and dishonorable people they lose somehow. There, there's a cost to be paid, and that isn't really the case in this world.
1: What's so great about this is that Robert is saying this while talking about Danny, yeah. the Mad King's daughter. Ned says, "You're no better than the Mad King," which, Watch of course, it, is the Ned. most damning thing that either of them could say to each other based on their history with Mad King but Robert has put himself in position to have that comparison made more notably though it's it kind of reminds us of Danny and who, yeah. who she's going to become, like Danny, at this point in season one, it's like the the you have a gentle heart princess right. character, and and you know to the point where Viserys will later say like he's never gotten love from people the way that she has. <laughs> she's ruling, she's going to come to power because of love, but she'll end right. up ruling with fear right. in 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 much the same way. It's like there's the question of basically, it's an nature versus nurture thing. Right. Like does power just turn people into this? Yeah. Or do the people who rise to power have this inside of them? Yeah.
0: And I think it's interesting because the sh- the show and the story takes different positions on that at different times. You know, like the show is essentially about people. Uh, the heroes are people who are breaking out of like this ancient. Cast system, John. Right. You know, but at the same time, who is John? John is a Targaryen who is by blood meant to rule. So it's the it's the really interesting dichotomy there that it's a lot of overlapping philosophical ground.
1: Well, and it's we see it too in the in the exchange with Loras and Renly. Yeah later on when they're just you know normal afternoons sitting around just shaving <laughs> just sh- shaving what's everywhere Renly's chest I gotta say Loras for someone who prides himself so much on his appearance and is well dressed and well groomed though his hair in season one really needs work vastly improved come season two shoddy job <laughs> yeah, with the razor great. like just, just careless around the nipple <laughs> yeah. and then just all of a sudden sponges all the cream off before he's yeah. finished really sloppy stuff but, also don't cut me well, I don't know. I think he's like, he's proven a point. <laughs> he's proven a point, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I feel like Syria would have, <laughs> yeah, sure, would have right approved. Yeah. So, but he makes two incredibly key observations during this little pep talk. He says, one, right, where was Robert in the line of secession, a.k.a.? The line of secession does not matter. One, of, when we're looking, It at does, the, but it doesn't. It does, but it doesn't. When we're looking right. at the things that actually make someone a good ruler, yeah. an effective ruler, a legitimate ruler, that's not part of it. Aside from the initial claim right. and the validity to the claim, which we'll right. obviously see play out in numerous respects throughout the show. But probably more apt in this case is the 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 appeal that he that Loris makes to Renly centers on the idea of being loved. Right. Right, which stands out in stark contrast to what Robert is saying about ruling by fear. Yes. He says, Laura says, people love you. They love to serve you because you're kind to them. And then a little bit later says, where is it written? The power is the sole province of the worst. The thrones are only made for the hated and the feared. He's not necessarily right, but it's a different perspective than what we've seen so far in the show. And it's certainly not Robert's MO.
0: Well, I mean, he's exactly right that um, the line of succession doesn't matter. You know, what was Aegon's claim? He right. had dragons. His claim was that he had Fear. dragons. There you go. And so, um, but he also brings up another point, which is that ruling is a relationship between the people. You know, people aren't going to follow Sanus. They don't care that he's, you right. know, they, hate the him. they don't like him. Right. Um, they want to, f- and you, you see it with uh, the last season of Game of Thrones where people are like, you know what, John, you're Stark to me. Right. Let's go.
1: Well, so, but that's the thing. Like, even even with Robert, Robert's not necessarily lovable, right? But there's something people respond right. to and respect. He had he had a magnetism strength. about him and the lush beard. Oh, beautiful, the lush, lush beard. I think one of the other things that's interesting is we see like two. People who are not necessarily savvy political operators, but are respected warriors, Sir Barristan and Ned, they have a nice little exchange here that I know you're very fond of, and Barristan says, he was a fine man, your father, what the mad king did to him was a terrible crime. The reason this is important is because Barristan was really loyal to House Targaryen and will be again, and yet some crimes are so great that the loyalty has an expiration date There are very few people in this world who have an unimpeachable bond with their subordinates and those who do are just in way better shape well, than everyone else. It and Robert doesn't have those people. This kind of, it and
0: uh, Sir Barrison and Robert there's a there's an interesting relationship there because of the battle of the trident. Uh, Sir Barrison was grievously injured and Robert instead of having him put to death Uh, had his own maester tend to him. And that kind of showed you the magnanimity (sighs) of Robert Baratheon in those heated moments. And that was what, you know, those things that drew people to him.
1: Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now... Back to binge mode. Okay, Jason, on the yes. opposite end of the power spectrum, we have the bastards, the bastards ah, of Westeros. Masters. So
0: many bastards.
1: So many bastards. We learned a lot in episode four about how John thinks about being a bastard Mm. and perceives the life of a bastard and we also met Gendry one of Robert's bastards and then in this episode episode 5 Robert's bastards really take center stage even more because Ned meets another baby bastard (laughs) at a brothel and word of his discoveries (sighs) is spreading to other power players so Maester please assemble the conclave take us to the citadel teach us everything we need to know about bastards
0: A Bastard is simply a person whose parents were not married to each other. It's an important mark of social status in Westeros where property rights and other rights are passed down through the laws of inheritance. It's a way f- to keep the realm stable by reducing uh, succession disputes, which is basically how all wars in, in Westeros pop off. It's basically expected that noble lords would avail themselves of the maids, the kitchen staffs, the brothel workers, basically any common woman that might come within their reach of course, babies are going to be produced by this. It would be extremely destabilizing if these babies could then grow up and say, yeah, actually, you know what? I have a claim to, uh, you know, Casterly Rock. It can't work like that. Um, in Westeros, bastardy is indicated by the person's surname, and each re- region has like a specific scarlet bean name. <laughs> For the Crownlands, which is King's Landing and the s- kind of surrounding areas, it's waters, is Sand. The Iron Islands is pike. The North is snow. The Reach is flowers. Um, The Riverlands is rivers. The Stormlands is storm. The Vale is stone. And the Westerlands is hill. These are all so original.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) creative and innovative.
0: And, you know, the treatment of bastards kind of varies according to regional custom and uh, personal preference. In Dorne, bastards are... Readily acknowledged and brought into the family, allowed to train with maesters, allowed to carry weapons and and hang out at the castle.
1: Red Viper was all about those. He was all about it, all and about he, them. and
0: you know, but Dorne did things differently. We'll get into that much later. You know, individual lords can choose to bring their whelps into the family. It's really up to them if they want to do that. Um, Ned Stark is a great example of a person who uh, acknowledged his <laughs> bastard John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, giving John access to the comforts of Winterfell, dressing him in fine clothes. You got. Maester education, he got you know weapons training which he was obviously very good at but acknowledgement is not the ability to inherit lands and titles. In order to do that they have to be legitimized and only the ruler can do that. Uh, that is a drastic step and it's not one that should be taken lightly. Most of the wars in Westeros take place because of like succession disputes. Um, Aegon the IV the unworthy, the Mad King's great 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 grandfather, legitimized his bastards on his deathbed and that single event uh, basically caused... uh, several civil wars that are known as the Blackfyre Rebellion. Uh, Snows, John Snow's situation illustrates a difficulty. You know, Ned could have at any time asked Robert to legitimize him, but had he done so, John would have uh, jumped up above Bran and Sansa mm-hmm. and Arya, and they would have been unhappy with this. And then Cat let, would not have been pleased. Cat would not have been pleased, <laughs> yeah. and her influential family would not have been pleased. And then say Rob, say Rob falls off his horse and dies. Now all of a sudden you're like, hmm, who who benefits from this? And you can see all the right you know i'm sure the boltons would be whispering in john's ear hey you know do you want to you know give you winterfell if you you know these are the kind of things that happen and you avoid all these things by not legitimizing your bastards so uh bastardy don't legitimize your bastards
1: great advice and i also want to offer my sincere compliments for how seamlessly you integrated welp into that explanation that was really something i'm genuinely impressed (laughs) uh Jason, as much as we would all like to scuffle outside of the brothels with you forever, it's time to head to the Sept, to bathe in the Let's light go. of the Seven, share our seven favorite insights and observations from this episode. This, is a, this episode is a rich text. So, so There's much. a lot here to parse. Great, we had, we had a really scenes. hard time narrowing this down to seven, but uh, we did our best. What's first?
0: Uh, Robert to Lancel Lannister in the tent. Uh, when he intends to to fight in the tournament, your mother was a dumb whore with a fat ass.
1: <laughs> Robert, such a dick. Not nice. Not nice. There's just no need for that guy. of I mean, he's of really.
0: It was he was performing for Ned. Also, it's true because yeah. nobody
1: <laughs> likes a great dumb whore fat ass joke more than Ned. Ned is famed for yeah, his sense of humor and his his quick yeah. quick insults. Uh, for me, wow. Clegane Bowl preview. Oh, here we go. Clagane Bowl Is it preview. Ever
0: happen?
1: I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing hope a little bit, but I, I really refuse to let the dream die. I want to see the Clegane Bowl. Book we readers want to see the Clegane Gotta Bowl, and we got a tiny little taste of it here because of the Mountain and the Hound. We got our history lesson about their their backstory yep. as boys in the prior episode and then this episode we see, the, we see the Venom sort of come to life as they, as they battle on the, the, the sands of the Joust and we also get another tiny but important little little hound download there when Loris is thanking him and says, you know, I owe you my life, sir. What does the hound say? I'm no, I'm sir. no sir.
0: I love that you said download there. It's a very Los Angeles thing. Um, oh
1: God. <laughs> California's ruining me.
0: <laughs> Chekhov's irie. Uh the very small but uh they say impregnable castle in the Vale. Um there's that great scene where um Tyrion speaking of the Irish say, they say it's impregnable and Bronn says, Give me ten good men and some climbing spikes and I'll impregnate the bird. <laughs> 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 you got to figure at some point you are going to see that happen. It's also a great indicator of the uh, evolving Braun Tyrion bromance. There's so much respect for each other. That's great. After uh, uh, Tyrion caves a outlaw's face in with the edge of his That's, shield. That part's gross. It's pretty gross. That's gnarly. It's very gross. Really gnarly. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, <laughs> Bronn says, you're first, you need a woman. Nothing like a woman after a fight. <laughs> and then Tyrion uh, indicating Catelyn Stark, well, I'm willing if she is. It's great stuff. Wonderful.
1: Great, great sexual innuendo. And <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody likes a joke at Cat's expense it's better so than Tyrion. Yeah. Um, for me, number four, Yorin. A Yorin, great guy. Rode so fast he nearly killed his horse. <laughs> I'm not quite as good as the gra- as yeah. you are at the gravelly, <laughs> yeah. throaty, yeah. Yeah. quotes. But uh, he he rode to King's Landing yeah. to tell Ned the cat had yeah. taken Tyrion, and who does he see? Who is in the Tower of the Hand when he goes to see Ned? Arya. Yep. Why does this matter? And it's not just that she's there. They have a weird awkward moment where he's like doing the same thing. Um, no, like what a the handsome little lad. And yes. He's like, I'm a girl! Right. I'm a girl! Foreshadowing. So, yeah, because as we all know, yeah, we or know. as most of us know, in a few episodes, he's gonna need to recognize her again, and he right. does because of this moment. This is key. It doesn't seem key at the time, Ari. but it is. Uh,
0: Ross, in the uh, brothel outside Winterfell to... Theon Greyjoy as he's being a jerk, you're a very serious boy, taking the measure of him immediately and in many
1: taking the measure of that crack. <laughs> With a very
0: serious cock. <laughs>
1: uh really really respect. Yeah. Alfie Allen's work in that scene.
0: Very strong work. Really respect the work.
1: Yeah. Uh when Cersei and Robert are having yeah. their Discussion about the 17 years of their marriage, how their marriage is the only thing keeping the realm together. Boy, do they share a little chuckle over that. They're talking, they have a little little arithmetic. They talk about math and what number is bigger when it comes to an army, (laughs) which is interesting. And then there is a truly actually kind of sad and beautiful moment at the end where Cersei brings up Lyanna. Robert is shocked. You've never brought her up in all this time. Why now? And she says... What harm could Liana Stark's ghost do to us that we haven't already done well, to each other a hundred times over? Well, you'd be Cersei, <laughs> yeah. like this is going to be a thing. Yeah, it's right? Be a thing. She, of course, has no idea. She thinks Liana is just a, a, a misery from her past, but John's parentage yep. is going to be a problem for Cersei in seasons seven and eight, maybe just season seven, who knows how long she'll last. <laughs> So what, what problems could her ghost bring? Well, could go a long way toward legitimizing John's claim. Yep. That's what. Bring us home. Number seven.
0: That great scene with Littlefinger and Varys in the throne room where-
1: Incredible. Which gets
0: extremely dark with Varys uh, talking about, uh, you know, I heard so-and-so lord liked amputees. I heard this other one liked a fresh
1: corpse. you think he's just pulling straight from the Yelp review or- <laughs> And Littlefinger
0: says, all desires are valid to a man with a full purse, basically boiling down his entire ethos into one uh, line. And then in one of the very few moments in the entire series where Varys is ever shook uh, is when Littlefinger reveals that he saw him... With a certain foreign dignitary from across the seas, Ilrio Mopadis who we remember from episode one, brokering the marriage deal between Viserys and Khal Drogo. Why would they be meeting? What could he be wanting? What is, what, what is the conspiracy there? Uh, very interesting when you start to really think about it. And it's something that uh, was overlooked, really, the first time many people watched the series.
1: Also, a lot of really interesting stuff about Varys' balls in that discussion. <laughs> but let's focus, let's focus more on that crucial plot that you just brought up, the yeah. conversation between Varys and Illyrio. We here, unlike Littlefinger's patrons, only have one desire, and that is to crown this week's champion. Because every week we honor the person who played the game, the best, yes. advanced his or her cause in some real way. This week, the winner of our champion's purse is Varys and by extension Illyrio as you said this is this is big right and one of the really cool things we'll we'll, we'll break down the plot ramifications here but one of the things I love about this scene is that the show cannot it's not the show's fault television is a different medium but the show can't always do what the books do right. by putting us firmly yeah. behind one character's eyes this scene does that we are seeing this fully through Arya's eyes she has chased the cat down at the dungeon just hiding in the dragon skull and she doesn't understand what she, yes, sees. she has no idea she doesn't what understand what she's hearing i don't even know who these people are right can't Certainly necessarily recognize them is. yeah It's sort of beyond her grasp to the point where she's literally just picking up on keywords and phrases. Something about the wolf, something about the lion, something about the savages. And that's the report that she then takes to Ned. Of course, just classic Ned completely hand waves this totally essential intel that could save his life.
0: People talking about killing
1: me in the Red Keep? Ah, forget it. Little lady. You'll have a castle. But. We're not meant to instantly understand right. it. And yes. that's cool because it's really rewarding when yeah. you rewatch something like this and you can fully appreciate what you're seeing. So, what are we seeing?
0: We know that Ilrio uh, broke that marriage deal, and it seemed if you watched. You know, episode one. Why is he doing this? Right. Out of out of the goodness of his heart? Certainly not. There's nobody that does that in, the, in the, in this entire world. What could he want? And this suggests something much deeper, much wider. And that Varys's line, which is that he always says, which is that he serves the realm. Mm-hmm. What? Which realm is that? Um, is it Robert's realm, or is it? the Targaryens realm, and this suggests that these two are working towards a return of the Targaryens, a return of the uh, rightful rulers, some might say, of, of
1: Westeros. Illyrio gave Danny her dragon eggs. Yeah, like this dude, this considering is... he's had a total of like forty-seven seconds of screen time, right. is low key like the most important person, right, the mover and shaker the
0: behind the whole thing. He's funded the whole thing, and it just seems like he's just some good guy that viserys loves cheese, ran into, yeah, just
1: loves cheese. That's it, a passion for cheese. Great Varys episode in so many ways. He has three amazing scenes. This one, which we don't fully appreciate at the time. When he goes to visit Ned in the Tower of the Hand and counsels Ned as so many people often futilely try to. And then, of course, as we talked about already, the verbal joust with Littlefinger. This episode is a showcase for how we always think we talk about Littlefinger being the guy who has his hand in every pot and is pulling strings and manipulating and trying to achieve his desired outcome. Varys is doing that too, he's just doing it a little more eloquently and a little more quietly, and at least he'd have us believe he's doing it for more noble reasons, right? right? And we also
0: see that his plot is really quite far along, Yeah. you know? I mean, this is, he's, he's put Viserys in the position to have an army. It's up to Viserys now.
1: What's the one hiccup in this conversation? Right, the time frame—they're not on the same page. Things are starting to happen too too fast. Too fast. Because ultimately, how how in control can you ever really be of your circumstances in this world? And so, it's the great exchange, right? Delay, you say. Move fast, I reply. Again, this is no longer a game for two players. It never was. There's a wisdom there. There's a a sage sense of what is possible, what is necessary, and what is practical. And those are not always the same thing. And Varys is actually one of the few people who sees the board in a way to allow him to appreciate that. Love Varys. What a guy.
0: Also, it's so suggestive in so many ways uh, about the things that Danny and Viserys have been through. You know, they were uh, extremely vulnerable at at the early point of their lives, living on the street. And you would imagine that uh, Robert, without too much effort, would have been able to get to them, um, which suggests that someone was protecting them.
1: Sure. Well, and of course, who is is to Jorah at this point in time is informing on Danny to whom? To Varys. Right. But Farris isn't out to get Danny. He's trying to protect her. Right that is really complicated that is like a pretty densely woven net of allegiances and deceptions yeah. and again like that to get back to our earlier discussion about what makes someone a good ruler well robert would basically be incapable of <laughs> navigating something <laughs> right, that's yes. subtle no right but Varys, i mean ned yeah. what would ned do with something like that
0: uh, ned would uh you'd need to explain it to him over the course of about three weeks
1: <laughs> Arya tried man yeah. she tried Uh, we all tried we all tried friends and here we are at the end of trying there is nothing like a woman after a fight and there's nothing like sharing this podcast journey with you we hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us again next time when we will be discussing season one episode six a golden crown that is a goodie we're very excited to talk about that one and until then just remember if you fuck enough women some of them will give you presents
2: You need a woman, nothing like a woman after a fight.